0: Big Finish, for the love of stories.
1: You're listening to the Big Finish Podcast. Release date, Sunday the 21st of January, 2024.
2: There it is. Police telephone, free for use of public. Yes, (laughs) it's the TARDIS. I thought I'd never see it again.
3: What do you think it's doing
2: here? Well, (laughs)
3: There's only one way to find out. You're not thinking of going inside, are you?
2: Why not? Hello? Doctor? Stephen!
4: Stephen!
1: A big hello to you all. I'm Benji Clifford. Oh no, sorry. It's uh <laughs> it's me, Stephen Noonan. He's Nick Briggs. <laughs> this is Big Finish Audiobooks, Audio Drama, and this podcast.
4: All with a love of stories. Oh,
5: yes, so what's happened here folks Is that uh, Benji's internet was so terrible That uh, Stephen was g- going to be our guest anyway mm. And th- this little bit in the script here Is for me to introduce Stephen But you've already heard him Stephen Noonan is of course Our brilliant First Doctor In our First Doctor Adventures yeah. And uh, we're releasing A First Doctor Adventure this week But all that uh, will become clear But anyway, uh, hello, it says here Hello Stephen
0: Hello there <laughs> this is quite,
1: quite um, exciting. Yeah. To suddenly, to suddenly be a co-host for the first time. Is
5: it promotion or is it demotion? I don't know. Well,
1: we'll find out, won't we? We'll find finally see if I get sacked.
5: Anyway, we'll be chatting to you about... Well, I'll be chatting to you, not yeah. we. It's very no. difficult adapting this script as you go along. I'll be chatting to you about the First Doctor and stuff.
1: So after that, it'll be time for the Good Review Guy reviewing the reviews of doctor of war destiny starring colin baker
4: jeffrey beavers among others and so it
5: begins then we go behind the scenes with the latest in our first doctor adventures uh, released this tuesday the 23rd of january starring the lovely and aforementioned and co-hosting Stephen noonan Fugitive of the Daleks by Johnny Morris and co-starring Maureen O'Brien
1: as the Doctor's classic companion Vicky.
2: I'm Maureen O'Brien and I play Vicky.
1: And following that, it's listeners' emails sent to podcast at bigfinish.com. What have you, our dear listeners, got to say for
4: yourselves? You'll be fine.
5: Mm. Also available this week released this Thursday the 25th of January we celebrate the life love and laughter of the late great British comedy star Roy Hud OBE in The Roy Hudlines a special CD and digital release of a recording staged at the Sondheim Theatre in London's West End featuring the cast writers and producers of BBC Radio's longest running audience comedy programme
6: The News Hudlines Uh, Is everybody happy on
1: stage? We'll let you know Also also available Thunderbirds Danger and Deception four exciting adventures for international rescue in audio dramatizations of the comic strips from the pages of tv21 based on Jerry and Sylvia Anderson's classic action-packed super marionation series
5: (gasps) thunderbird one commencing attack dive then it'll be time for the randomoid selectron delivering a random release with a 25 percent discount dutifully attached to it by big Finish content manager jackie emery we genuinely have no idea what it is yet so i'll make a note to edit in a clip now when i was with the doctor
7: the real doctor
1: and finally as always we round off the podcast with a free 15 Minute Drama Teas. And this week, it's from the first
4: Doctor Adventures
1: Fugitive of the Daleks by Johnny Morris.
4: Whoa, whoa, whoa. So I left you in Troy, did I?
2: Well, I left you. I was in love with a young man called Troilus.
4: Troilus, I see. And you found happiness together? Hmm?
2: Very much so. We settled in a small village, and soon I had a family and a farm to keep me busy. The years went by so fast. But now I've been put out to pasture, as they say. Ah. Though occasionally I'm visited by philosophers from Athens to give them a few uh, helpful nudges in the right direction.
4: (laughs) You've had a good life, then. I am glad.
2: But I missed you. (laughs) Uh,
5: You see, there we are. Uh, your presentation style is reminding me of i think it's uh i don't know bbc schools education programs
1: look around you <laughs> 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 nigel what was his name that the actor who's in nigel lambert did those um did the narration for look around you oh yeah what did, doctor who story was nice was it lambert? the
5: leisure hive
1: it was very good i think i
5: can reveal i might have revealed this before but we we got him in a a few years ago and had him play all sorts of parts and he was great really good and great company and then the last time we employed him he said this is the last one i'm doing and we said oh why he said because none of this makes any sense to me and i said well you're really good in them And he said i know but i just i just don't like it
1: wow And he never on, honesty, honesty is an overrated commodity. I find.
5: Yeah, he said he uh, <laughs> it just he felt like his brain was turning to mush. With he doesn't he didn't like science fiction. Incredible, wasn't it? Well,
1: anyway. it's odd because the only two things he's known for an episode of Doctor Who and and Look Around You, which was a spoof science series but made by Doctor Who fans, you know, <laughs> because I mean, Look Around You is is spoofs Doctor Who as much as it spoofs, um, uh, you know, um, schools Edu- and colleges yeah. programs.
5: Goodness there's a,
1: there's a scene where uh, where th- there's a there's a condition you get um in the very first one, which is about calcium, and it's called Helvetica syndrome <laughs> and 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 it's it results in the victim's face disappearing, and they're in this sort of padded room with a window banging on and the music it's pure sort of Pertwee era radiophonic insanity. You know, <laughs> and you know Peter Serafinovich, who was a Doctor Who fan, has absolutely, you know, homaged that sort of level of the post-nuclear industrial gothic horror uh, oh of Doctor Who.
5: <laughs> Ironically, or just connectedly, uh, this script we're reading from, because uh, uh, none of this is improvised, we're
1: just... This uh, is all written down, <laughs> but this morning by it's, Nick, he gets it's, up at dawn and writes this insanity. It's, it's, it's written, it's,
5: it, it's in Helvetica Noya or Helvetica <laughs> Neuer
1: he'll, he'll oh, beat the Helvetica
5: new is what most people call it um listen steven uh, you've now yes. listened to fugitive of the daleks you listened to it a few weeks ago didn't you um well,
1: i've listened to it a few hundred times actually. yeah now that's interesting
5: you... uh, tell us about that because a lot of actors don't listen or watch that no. stuff but you're no. not no. A, well
1: there's, there's a pain barrier you've got to get through where where by the first time you hear it you think it's rubbish <laughs> of course big finnish listeners Probably only listen to it once and never get past that uh,
0: stage. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh dear! Um, no, so b- because it's your voice, and you know, and your one is, you know, probably I don't. I can only speak for myself, but hypocritical of your own work. Then you listen, to go, oh god, and then you listen to it the second time and, and try and listen to it with other people's ears, you know, which involves a lot of blood you know, and, and, uh, and, and uh, you know, That death, sounds like a horrible surgical uh,
5: process.
1: <laughs> yes. It's, Don't uh, listen
5: with other people's ears, folks. That's so no, uh, warning. It's, it's,
1: it's, it's very, very messy. Um, but no, you try, well, you try and listen to it with, with, you know, one of the fans that like you's ears <laughs> yeah, rather yeah. than one of the ones that, you know, has got a confirmation bias against you for whatever reason or just thinks you're crap. And you get, and, and so, because I want to learn from, also, to be honest, um, and I am being honest, you know, I actually enjoy the whole product, and I'm fascinated yeah. by other people's work on it. And what was delightful when Nick writes the music is it, you'll sometimes send me, you know, music cues while you're preparing it, or even... Oh, that's right. that stories... incident
5: I did that, didn't I? It was an incident. <clears throat> incident like but even
1: there. sometimes for, for, you know, ranges that I'm not in, because I'm such a fan of the Pertwee years, mm. I'm fascinated by you know, Nick's homages to Dudley Simpson. And so you'll say, oh, what about this sort of thing? And and, and so, you know, it's, it's it's lovely to hear that side of it, the, the, the process that I'm not involved in, and to hear performances of people who, because of course, you know, when you're recording it, you're not in the room when the scenes you're not in are recorded. So it's fascinating to hear the work of other people, like a lot of with, with the ones with you know, the ones the two previous boxers have been Lauren and I. Lauren and me? What was grammatically correct there? Um and uh, and um so because we're split up in that sort of classic TARDIS team, to use that slightly irritating phrase, way, um, so to have two narrative strands, there's the Lauren scenes that I won't have heard her do, so it's fascinating to hear it back and hear what she's doing.
6: Yeah. Brilliantly,
1: yeah. always. Um and um so here hearing, hearing it all put together but yeah knowing that by listening to it hopefully i'll be able to think oh yeah that works though that doesn't quite work Oh, you tried something that wasn't quite as successful as it might have been don't do that again you
0: know
1: um, <laughs> when, um
5: well when you got past the pain barrier on this one oh, you know what what were I'm, your i've never
1: got past it but, oh, uh, I'm oh, okay
5: it. <laughs> i thought i've I got thought an ointment
1: for it you know. Uh,
5: you know, I wonder what your views are. How how would you entice people to uh, watch Futures of the Daleks? How would you watch recommend it? it? They have Sorry, a problem. Yeah, watch,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> watch <laughs> the
5: sound file. Sorry, I was <laughs> I, I I just got too carried characters. They can on.
1: watch the light flickering in their CD player if, if they've got one of those. <laughs> They're very old fashioned. All right,
5: about listening then.
1: Yeah, I well, what I would say when I when I read it, I was astonished by how many wonderful. Without without saying ticks boxes that that's that's to underplay it. How how many aspects of the Hartnell era, and the Hartnell era specific to Vicky, and the Hartnell era specific to Dalek stories, and the Hartnell era specific to other perhaps without giving too much away unresolved conceits of the <laughs> Hartnell era, it manages to incorporate completely organically and quite mesmerising. And I go oh god that's clever. Oh, and then another one, another one. Then you get to the end, and there's a superb one yes. right at the end, just when you think that, that it's done everything that it could possibly do. Good As old a Johnny final one, you go, Oh, that's brilliant. You know? Yeah. And and uh, so I'm very impressed. And the fact that it sort of takes you through so many different sort of moods of the heart, Lear. It's, it's got the darkness of, you know, the early... I think there's, there's sort of... There are three phases that are on. There? There's the David Whittaker phase, and he was very serious and philosophical. And then you get the Dennis Spooner phase, who's much more sort of comedic. And then there's the very literate, literary John Wiles, Donald Tosh phase. And it manages to sort of pay tribute to each of those and to sort of visit the sort of the, the picaresque comedic sort of the chaseness and, and even a little flavour of the Feast of Stephen at one yeah, point, yeah, yeah, um, and and go through all those different phases without it sort of without it jarring. But of course, the central um, fascination of it is is to have Maureen O'Brien back and Vicky, and just how wonderful she is at playing Vicky, the same character but the age that Vicky would be, well, the same age as Maureen is play, play, playing playing the older Vicky, and just just the sheer brilliance and focus, and how moving that is actually, and the writing and her performance, and hearing the interaction, and hopefully, you know, I put enough work in for that <laughs> to work from what I'm doing as well, um, is a lovely sort of focal centre for the thing.
5: I hope it's not revealing too much, and uh, that um, in Johnny's original storyline for this. I think I've told you before, Stephen, that that last scene that we're not going to mention what's in it. No. Johnny actually wrote in his first rough storyline to me, sort of uh, slightly ironically, he put, and everyone listening stands up and applauds.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> well, I, and I did. And I
5: actually, yeah, and I thought, yeah, yeah. I think I, <laughs> I think that's how yeah. I feel reading that. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. No, it's 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 brilliant. We because I keep. Nearly saying something that would actually give it away.
5: Yes, you can't say um, anything. And
1: uh, so, no, but it is, it is, it is, it is, very, very clever, while also very clever writing. But also the writing of Maureen interacting with again, nearly giving something away. There's, there's a, there's a, the, the, I've got a lot to do in this, yes. um, and there's, and um, and there's a particular way in which I've got a, you know, quite a lot of it to do. Um, which makes it very interesting in terms of the interactions with Maureen. Yes. That sounds like gibberish. And yes. when you <laughs> listen to it, you'll know what I mean.
5: Just re- re-edit <laughs> those words into a different order. Well,
1: um, you'll have to do that when yeah, when, yeah, I, yeah, when, 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 when we've parted today. Nick, <laughs> see if you can make any sense out. I'll
5: just let it stand. Yeah.
1: It's, very, it's very impressive, I think, as, as a piece of writing. And of course, you know, as I find myself saying frequently, when people overuse the word iconic... There are only two icons, instantly recognisable symbols in the history of Doctor Who, possibly three. One of them is the police box and the other one is the Dalek. Mm -hmm. The third one is possibly Tom Baker's silhouette. Yeah. Perhaps. Yes. Yes. Well, well, absolutely. (laughs) Um, But so it's a wonderful thing to to get to do a a story with the Daleks and the uh, hilarious and surreal experience... Of being directed <laughs> by Nick when he's still got the ring modulator, because <laughs> he's doing the. Is that. It, I don't, don't know if those viewers at home are aware that uh, <laughs> that the, the Daleks aren't done afterwards. He's in the studio doing it, but of course he's the direct director as well, uh, yeah. and so he's still got the ring modulator. So he's direct. So you're being directed by a Dalek, <laughs> which is very, very, very I, I weird. Have...
5: I have uh, reached that stage in my life where I, I don't know whether you detected it, Stephen, when I uh, you say, oh, this, this scene's got the Daleks in, and then you hear me getting out of my chair, and I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> not, not because I don't like doing the Daleks, because I absolutely love doing the Daleks, but the fact that I'm thinking, oh, I've got to do that as well. You know what I mean? It's yeah, like, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah.
1: What? So you, what you used to split it up? Or no, no, I used
5: to be no, fine, but I'm just old and tired now. No, I and, see. You know, and it's just the thought that I have to keep running in and out of the studio. There have been studios that I've worked in where I'm able to do the Daleks from my um, directing sitting position. But the Rice. one where we recorded yeah, yeah. this... I mean, in um, the one near Tunbridge Wells, the one in Wadhurst, I, the last time I did the Daleks there, I was directing and then, you know, we just made sure everyone in the control room was quiet. And I had a microphone that had... um it was very the signal on it was very isolated you know what I mean so I, yeah. I just had to get really close to the microphone and do the Daleks and and they all worked out brilliantly but I had to but, keep running in and also the other thing in the sound house I have to go in an isolation booth yeah. so you have to go through two doors that weigh a hundred weight
1: uh, <laughs> it's just, yeah, this yeah. is just basically you're usually you know making some joke at my expense <laughs> you know as you're walking through through the door or whatever <laughs> so, so that's how you pretend you're not bored. Yeah. The funny thing is, because he's not doing the the sort of the, the intense shouty Dalek voice when he's directing, it's actually quite sinister because it sounds like you're being directed by Davros. Because <laughs> you're so quiet. Like, Maury,
4: you put those two lines together? <laughs> oh, yes, of course. Thank you.
0: <laughs> very, very. Funny.
4: Voice control represents an enormous step forward.
0: Step forward. However,
4: <laughs> best is yet to come.
1: <laughs> actually got to say you're Nida. i don't know if people were aware of this with with the, with the with the bit of the 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 pre-christmas um was it comic relief special where 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 julian bleach was davros yes. there's a voice the voice of nida is nick and it was and various fans have said that sounded like they'd found a, a lost bit of peter miles footage that was just sort of chillingly perfect oh thanks mate yeah. so there's a bit of smoke to blurb your trousers you know, but it no, wasn't yeah. just me that said that uh, but, that's, uh, that's, that's, that's i'd forgotten
5: good. that i'd done that voice and then i heard it you know coming yeah. out of the speaker as it were in the scene and i just thought oh god that's me isn't it i did that i did as i think i might have said before on the podcast i i did about Twenty takes straight off. They just asked me to do it. I do it, and I yeah. recorded it here where I'm sitting now. And I just, and I, the more I thought about it, I kept seeing Peter Miles in the costume, and I just asked, no, really? oh, more, more and more that slightly a strangeness in the way he spoke. You know yeah. that kind of, I'm not getting it quite there, but you know it's. Um, so I was very no, pleased, was, and they clearly it did it use great. the final take, which I think was the best.
1: It was superb. That was superb. Yeah. It's
5: good when the final take is good because then it makes it worthwhile that you did all those takes. Yeah,
1: you, yeah, you, you, you didn't waste your time. Yeah, I to took August. the first
5: one; the rest were rubbish. <laughs> you went right off the boil.
1: Yeah. So no. So so the thrill of working and doing a Dalek story, you know, uh, is is obviously, um, you know, you you. you was there any doctor who didn't do a Dalek story? No. No. At some point. No. I think all the all all the classics up to Sylvester they all got one, didn't they? Yeah, of course they did. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
5: I suppose Paul McGann didn't. Uh, well, no, there were Daleks. I, was meant to, the I meant up
1: to up to up to 1989. You know, to, up to the cancellation. There was there was always because suddenly forgotten revelation. But there, but
5: there were. Um, there were rubbish Daleks in the the TV movie, weren't there at the beginning? Oh,
0: there
1: were. That's right. Yeah, yeah.
5: yeah. Because you know, you know the story that I told the director of the TV movie. What was his Go name? Um,
1: yes. Not Matthew Jacobs. It was, was he. The, no, he was the writer. He's the writer. I can't. What's uh, every
5: time you? I I talk about this, I forget the guy's name. Isn't it awful? And he's quite a notable director.
1: Who? Jeffrey? No. Yes. Jeffrey something or other well him anyway and Jeff it's but it's a sort of it's a name a bit
5: oh look I'm going to have to look at you see uh, when we have a young person here Benji he just looks things up all the time I know because that's what young people do um yeah. uh hold, hold on director of doctor who tv movie I wonder if we get that
1: it is Jeffrey something oh here it is uh right, Jeffrey Jeffrey Sachs Jeffrey Sachs yeah,
5: yeah. When I met Jeffrey Sachs at the BFI, yeah, and someone because we were doing a sort of you know the interbellum of Doctor Who, who was so that's Benji's favorite word. It's when Doctor between who was the not, wars. Yeah, exactly. Between the wars of Doctor this Who. This
1: is in the 1930s. <laughs> yeah. yeah, obviously. Yeah.
5: <laughs> I don't know whether it's worth getting through this story, which I've already told before. No, no, please. Um, and. Uh, he, he was introduced to me in the green room and they said to Jeffrey, oh, this is Nick Briggs. He's the voice of the Daleks." He said, so you do the Dalek voices? Said, yeah. And they said, this is Jeffrey Sachs, who was the director of the TV movie. And I went, oh, OK, hi. And he he said, I did some Dalek voices for, for the TV movie. I said, I know they were
0: crap. Were they
1: Were they any worse than the Dalek but This is about to do a plug for something that Nick and I are going to do, uh, which is going out uh, this Monday were they any worse than the Dar- original Dalek voices in Day of the Daleks?
5: Oh god, lo- loads worse than that because they just went <laughs> I think at the last minute they'd got a real nervousness about actually having Dalek voices that sounded like Daleks. Right, right. And it's because of copyright it's, or something. It's so, so they...
1: long since I've seen the oh, TV. Oh, it just sounds like, like um, I can't remember. you know,
5: you know those uh, who in the um in the Stones of Blood um yeah. those those Lights that were judges.
1: The Megara.
5: The Maga- They were called the Megara. I wanted yeah, to say that, but like, I thought Magara. I was getting that wrong. Well, you know, when the Megara consult with each other, and they go. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's yeah. exactly
1: what that's the dark right. sounded right. like. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so it looks yeah, I like said they, they were crap. There's a visual effect that looks like an egg timer lighting up or something, isn't there? well, well this is that supposed to be something that somebody is that the master being?
5: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know what it is. It doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> But the point well, is, that I just do. on first meeting Jeffrey Sachs, the point of this story, Stephen, is on first meeting Jeffrey Sachs, I was rude yes. to him because yeah. I'm such a nerdy fan. I just thought he said he did Dalek voices and I immediately told him that they were crap. And the woman introducing mm-hmm. us kind of like her face fell in that. Like You can't say that. He's a film director. You can't say things like that to a film director. And he was really gobsmacked. And I just completely brains it out and said, well, they were crap. <laughs> i'm not going to say they're not and he was like okay and when he went on his panel he said and I, of course i did the dalek voices which apparently were crap according to nick briggs yes nick and i went yep yeah, they were crap you know <laughs> so,
0: yeah yeah but
5: well that,
1: yeah. you've got a you've not got that filter have you where you don't tell people what you really think well not know, when, big it, big when big. it comes to the daleks
5: <laughs> no no i mean i think i can restrain myself on lots of topics but daleks too. aside personal.
1: from yourself mm. who are the best dalek voices in the history of Doctor Who. What's, what's the story of the best Dalek voices?
5: Oh, it's really difficult to pin down. I mean, I think that, uh, for me, Peter Hawkins is the best Dalek voice. Um,
1: but not always, because we're re- reviewing World's End, as we call it.
5: Yeah, but his voice is good. It's just the effect on it. They haven't right? put the, they haven't yeah. put the if, thing if, on if, it. if you could have taken his dry recording and put a proper effect on it, it would sound excellent. Um, yeah. But... Um, that that's I mean they've added a little bit on the uh, the Blu-ray, haven't they? But it's But
1: when you were doing the splendid work you did on Day of the Daleks, which we will be discussing on the Pertwee Smith channel this coming week. Woo-hoo. Um um uh what was what was your what were you basing it on? What were you thinking about what you, what you were trying to trying to make it sound like? Was well, it, I think was it I, planet?
5: Yeah, Planet of the Daleks. I'm very fond yeah. of Planet of the Daleks and I yeah. think they really got the Dalek. The the key to a great Dalek voice is uh, the amount of gain you put on the microphone so 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 the recording sounds a little bit like that without the ring modulator and then that goes through the mm. the ring modulator and then you get that sound like it's really sort of furred up and electronic and And the problem is if you don't have that, they just start sounding a little bit like someone who's got a, a frog in their throat you know which isn't as intimidating. I th- I've always felt that the Dalek voice has to be terrifying. You
1: know i was i was very fortunate i think well in so many ways as a, a, a doctor who fan kid being a child a child of Bertwee, as it were but the, the first dalek story i saw was Planet of the daleks uh-huh. and just being absolutely terrified by those voices i mean they are and so the fact, and the fact that he was in black and white of course so I, I, I keep banging on about well, yeah, there's I'm an interview sure. on there's a documentary on I think it's the season um, 10 Blu-ray called The Third Man about Pertwee And Matthew Sweet asks about CSO at one point and, and Moffitt says, we keep talking about Pertwee as though he was a, a, a coloured doctor. John Pertwee doctor who was seen in black and white by the vast majority of, of, the, of the British public, which is, you That's know, true. which I, you talk to young fans and they, it takes a while for that to register because yeah. they think because there's all this fanfare about he was the first doctor in colour, etc. Yeah. But we didn't see no, hardly I, any of it. No. You know, you didn't have a... Was it Mask Dragon or something? Was it uh, season 14 It was
5: uh, The Deadly Assassin, my first Deadly colour Assassin. episode. Yeah. yeah, up until then, Doctor Who yeah. was in black and white for me. And
1: it was episode four of Revenge of the Cyber for me. But my, my grandmother had a coloured, colour telly, which she hated Doctor Who. I mean, I had, Mary s- white I
5: had seen a bit of um, uh, The Curse of Peladon in colour, which I was... It was so colourful. All the green in the, the closing title sequence. Uh it was almost traumatizing yeah I, I almost didn't like it because it was you know it was i saw it at a re- relative's house you know I well, thought, I said oh this gosh be- that's weird you know
1: well because color was so so novel for people who got it they always had the, the color saturation yes. turned up to <laughs> 11 you know so it was <laughs> yeah. bleeding so seeing the two title scenes the first time i think it was episode two of Carnival of monsters was like an acid trip because it was <laughs> Because the colours were just, just sort of searing into your eyeballs. It yeah. was it was it was quite overwhelming. Yeah. And a completely different visual experience. And then and then ironically, the only other episode I remember seeing from the Pope we in Colour was was episode three of Planet of the Daleks. Uh. Gremlins, which is the one that was lost in colour for years, wasn't That's it? That's
5: incredible. Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. I remember them crawling through those ice tunnels. Yes. Because the, the, the allotrope of ice. Yes. Um, yes that's sort of uh, oozing after them sort of vividly remember seeing that in color and the purple of it you know the, the, the sort of the blue the blue hue the blue hue
5: but going back to your plant. original question I mean you noted the other day when we were chatting was about the um uh the the Dalek movies the Dalek voices oh, yeah. in those particularly Dalek really Invasion good. Earth twenty one fifty eight Invasion yeah. Earth. yeah yeah, yeah. They're, yeah. they're excellent because they have a lot of spurious reverb, even if they're in an environment where there shouldn't be any reverberation. The Daleks have just got this metallic reverb on their voices. That's which...
1: right. They're, they're echoing outside when, when, <laughs> as though they're in a metal room. Aren't exactly.
5: They? Exactly.
1: When they're in the, sort of the the wilderness. Yeah, that's why I was I was intending to look it up when when exactly Dalek Invasion of Earth 2150 AD was was shot is because it's, it's released in '66. But of course, the power of the Daleks is late '66. Right? I'm wondering what TV story Peter Hawkins had most recently done. It was probably Daleks Master Plan. Yeah. To the filming of 2150 AD, and the and the voices in Daleks Master Plan are good. You know, they've the are effect knocked, varies
5: quality. incredibly.
1: It does, yeah, yeah. But no, there are some scenes where where they're, they're actually quite similar to how they are in the film. <laughs>
5: Well, anyway, we must crack on. This is the point in the podcast where I was due to say lovely to have you with us, Stephen. We can now release you from the podcast. <laughs> but <laughs> you can't. Uh, yeah, and look forward to your return, hopefully, in the not-too-distant future. But can't do that, no, because um, Stephen's yeah. carrying on now. So please do, Stephen, s- read the next I'm bit stuck. of um, I'm stuck here
1: yeah. of Benji's script. Um, right then. Um, it's time now for our good review guide finding the latest positive comments about Big Finish Productions to help recommend for you.
5: And as promised this week, we're looking at Doctor of War, Destiny.
8: It ends with a
5: new beginning. From Big Finish Productions, Doctor of War, Destiny. Destiny.
0: And so it begins.
2: Warrior, you have been chosen
3: for a vitally important task. It concerns the key to time. You know of the key to time? You
0: seek the key to time! Our fates are
7: linked. Lila. Leela! Leela! Leela. Leela.
0: Everything is ending, and it ends with you.
6: Leela.
9: Leela. Excellent.
6: Would you like an acid drop? It is true, then.
2: They say the evil one drinks acid. <laughs>
0: again and again I die. Big Finish,
5: for the love of stories.
1: (laughs) Just go to bigfinish.com and type Doctor of War into the search page at the top to find this one. First up, cultbox.co.uk Ian McArdle says overall <laughs> that's right you've got the, the sound effect there for the, the overall, overall. i never quite understand it. you'll have to explain that to me anyway, well we just uh, said because this...
5: people keep using the word overall oh, so we decided to have an alert every time i thought
1: say. i was missing a, a pun about overalls from no, factories no. no not at all this <laughs> has been an engaging trip down into another universe of the time war for us it has been as its strongest is he referring to himself in the Floral. he always does um, yes, yes oh, right. okay for us it has been at its strongest when sticking close to but twisting familiar stories and ideas interestingly there's a post-credit scene which suggests the door to this particular unbound universe might not be fully bolted shut
5: and four stars, which four stars. oh safe. yeah sorry
1: i thought that i didn't understand those asterisks. i thought that was that was some sort of pause well, yeah. yeah that's forced
5: yeah forced benji always thinks it's because someone stubbed their toe and and uh blurted (gasps) and unexpletive. Anyway, uh, liverpoolsoundandvision.co.uk Ian D. Hall says, uh, Ian D. Hall? I don't know. Uh, Doctor Who Unbound, Doctor of War 2, Destiny engages with the listener in ways that are normally out of bounds An alternative history, the possible futures that can be seen as metaphorical butterflies caught in a whirlwind of time and one in which destiny itself is perhaps out of reach. I say it sounds like he's writing a script himself there. Another toe-stubbing four stars there
1: that's right it's, it's the maximums five is it, is it, it it's,
5: well it could be it might be a thousand so that m- might be a really it, poor mark right
1: because <laughs> it doesn't tell you what it's out of you I, know, know? I know
6: um
1: and uh, this is um indy user oh, no, it's an user <laughs> um uh dot com j jacob licklider uh says direct oh, sorry, director of war doctor of war <laughs> Doctor of War, Destiny's perhaps one suffering, (gasps) is that it's over all too soon. It feels like while this universe had plenty of brilliant world building and expansion, there's a lot more that could be done with the Warrior, Master, Davros, and the Time Lords. It cements these two releases as one of Big Finish's most experimental ideas, Mm -hmm. especially in recent years, and that's worth Price of entry alone. Uh-huh. While relative newcomer to directing, Barnaby Kay, makes his mark and makes himself distinct from the other directors. The cast is brilliant, and all three writers take the premise to the natural conclusion and to the advantage of a time rule. Nine on ten.
5: A Nine out of ten, that would be. Yeah, but it.
1: you can say nine on ten. I
5: mean. I've never heard that. Nine
1: one. on ten. ten you? Maybe ten? that's a Merseyside thing. I bet it is. Yeah. You've got nine on ten because <laughs> it is actually literally on the 10 isn't it you know
5: yeah interesting anyway. well i say interesting um on social okay. media at andrew on sea air says an epic conclusion to an outstanding at big finish unbound miniseries miniseries uh doctor of war destiny takes a darker turn by bringing together leela the jeffrey beavers master and davros in three epic stories it's a box set worth the listen exclamation mark
1: now, I've got one here, and it doesn't give all of his names, but I recognise uh, this splendid gentleman. All we've got here is um, at Justin B. Quinnick. Yes. Um, but he's often also known as Justin Bush, isn't he? Yes. Which, which doesn't say here. Yes. Or Justin B. Quinnick of the Fourth Universe, as oh. I once called him in an email. <laughs> um, at Nigel Fairs, at Lizzie Hopley, at Verbatim Foley, deliver a set steeped in clever lore stirring and mind-crunching imagination at big finish once again causes the 2022 60 renaissance why to transcend <laughs> itself in possibly the best unbounds ever be why why shall i explain that yeah go on then uh when i was at um the los angeles convention uh was it early this year is it is it the last year and I yeah. and I knew Colin Baker was going to be there. And what's nice if you meet an actor that's been in Doctor Who, but you know other things they've been in, is not just to talk to them about Doctor Who. They often appreciate it if you know other things they've done and to sort of and they're quite sort of, you know, pleased yeah. that they're not just talking about Doctor Who. So I got the pock set of the brothers, <laughs> which I think Nick's watching at the moment, aren't you? I am. On, I'm watching on, it on Talking, on talking Pictures, Pictures TV. Yeah. And it's it's actually it's riveting in its, it's own sort lovely. of... It's lovely seventies, uh, weird way. And, and so I'd watch this so I could talk to him about the brothers and I didn't encounter him until the last day we were going towards the, the, the closing ceremony and he was walking behind me and I turned around and I said, Oh, hello, Colin. He said, Oh, he said, Oh, hello. You're the chap who's doing the, uh, the first doctor for us, aren't you? He said, <laughs> and I said, I said, yes, I said, I've, I've just been watching, um, the brothers, you know, and uh, I got the I got the the DVDs of it, and he sort of looked at me rather contemptuously. He said, "Why?" <laughs> and I suddenly felt I felt this thrill because I felt like Perry standing on the opposite side <laughs> of the control console. It was a sort of it was a pure Colin Baker's Sixth Doctor moment. Yes, and then I sort of redeemed it by by pointing out a sort of a fascinating thing his boss was played by Richard Herndl in the first episode he's <sighs> in, which sort of gives it a nice, a nice sort of Doctor Who twist. And I sort of said, yeah, interesting. Oh, so yes. You're... So he was. Yes. And then we had to go on stage and that was my only encounter with. But I just love that. Uh... Why?
5: Why? Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, <laughs> um, right, on to At Telos32 In another universe A great time war rages It needs a warrior He is no longer the Doctor He is the Doctor of War Very good conclusion
1: Right Now this one's quite difficult to enunciate yeah. to At Jason Is that ha? Huh? I've no Jason. idea Jason H.A. Uh, 05633395 <laughs> Catchy um, These are the coordinates From Galactic Zero Centre Obviously um, Love both <laughs> Genesis and Destiny, a masterpiece, and one of the best stories of twenty twenty two. Is it called oh I said there's two of them that are both together a masterpiece? Yeah. Is that the sounds like okay? Well Um Interesting yeah. hearing Colin Baker. Why? Uh, play an alternate alternate version of the War Doctor in this dark, militarized and heroic story, that's it says. Yeah.
5: I think there should have been a D on the end of military, militarized, I was, okay. know, possibly, but I, there Nick. wasn't. Yeah. Um, uh, why um, at Tom Hudson 1218 Doctor of War Destiny from at Big Finish by Nigel Fares, Lizzie Hopley, and Tim Foley is the epic conclusion to this experimental roller coaster of a miniseries. At Sawbones Hex Why is indomitable, uh, firing on all cylinders. Why uh, definitely needs a re-listen soon. Why uh anyway uh will there be more
1: it's a form of Tourette's you've got
6: that's
5: Uh, (laughs) That's my idea of comedy just to repeat the same lame joke until it goes round the other side and sort of becomes funny again, or people just press stop. Take your yep. pick, listeners.
1: We'll see how that goes.
5: Yeah, will there um, be more reviews <laughs> next week? Uh, only time will tell. And and um, Alfie Shaw, Alfie Shaw collates the reviews. And uh, I emailed Artie him. Shaw. Yeah, Artie Shaw. as yeah. <laughs> as you like to call him, Stephen. He's Probably much sex, to his it? annoyance. Um, yeah, he collates the reviews, and I sent an email to him this morning saying, oh, I need some more for next week. So he reckons there will be some next week. So fingers crossed
1: got mine crossed coming up soon listeners emails oh have we done that no no sorry they weren't emails they were reviews okay got <laughs> it. <laughs> it's going well thanks. <clears throat> coming up soon listeners emails the roy hudlines thunderbirds and the randomoid Selector troll but first
5: the doctor the daleks and vicky you name it Hello, I'm Nick Briggs, and I'm the voice of the Daleks. I'm also the uh, script editor and director of Fugitive of the Daleks. OK, here we go, and cue. I
3: thought you should know about the temple in the Olive Grove. But there isn't a temple in the Olive Grove. There is now. What are you talking about? It wasn't there this morning, but now it is. And, and Grandmother, it's a small blue building made of wood, like in your stories. The TARDIS? After all these
5: years? Well, if you want an absolute masterclass in Classic Who, you really need to go to Johnny Morris. I had this idea for our new First Doctor, Stephen Noonan, to do a sort of round tour of the classic First Doctor companions. And uh, I want to do something where the actors who played them don't have to worry about sounding younger. We can still have them in productions where they can sort of pretend to be younger, but I thought it was a nice, relaxing thing for them to turn up and, you know, be closer to their own voices. And it's also an interesting uh, story thing to explore. All of that is kind of a bit secret at the moment. You don't really know what's going on with Fugitive of the Daleks and why there's an older version of um, Vicky in it. Also, I just thought it'd be, you know, nice for Stephen Noonan, who's a massive fan of Doctor Who and of the first Doctor in particular, now he's done all the work, to end up meeting a lot of the actors who worked on the original show.
1: My name is Stephen Noonan, and I've been playing the first Doctor in Fugitive of the Daleks.
0: Detectors indicate the greatest enemy of the Daleks is present in this space station. The Doctor must be captured. Seek, locate...
1: We wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the Daleks. I, I've often said in other interviews, we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for William Hartnell. That's true. He was the first actor, but of course, without the Daleks, this series would not have lasted. I don't think. I don't think anybody could make the claim that it's it's success, its enduring success was to do with the phenomenal success of the the Daleks for all the reasons, the writing the design of Ray Cusick but it was the voices I think the voices that frightened me as a child the fact that they were were so aggressive and abrasive and angry (laughs) and so to be on the receiving end for the first time when you're playing a scene with Nick doing, doing the Dalek voices is a very surreal Experience and has a has a complete sort of flashback to childhood effect. There was a, there was a one particular one he does because he was doing several Dalek voices in a particular scene. There's one particular particular one he does which 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 sounded like one of the Dalek voices from *Planet of the Daleks*, which is my first Dalek story, which scared the hell out of me. And it was just a sudden a sudden flashback to that feeling, those feelings that we enjoy so much. Those of us who remember those stories. So yeah, it's uh, obviously it's a, it's a complete. Qua no.
2: I'm Maureen O'Brien and I play Vicky. To return to acting these days of any kind is absolute bliss. And playing Vicky is a curious experience because up to now, I've always played Vicky at the age of 15, which is when she the age she was when she joined the series in 1965. So to be playing Vicky at the age she would be, is very refreshing.
9: Hello, I'm Jonathan Morris. At the beginning of the story, we find Vicky about 60 years after she left the Doctor in uh, The Myth Makers. In that story, she um, she goes off with a young Trojan called Troilus and changes her name to Cressida for no adequately explored reason. And I like to think they enjoyed a long and happy marriage and had lots of children and grandchildren and uh, lovely times. Then there was a the Companion Chronicles, uh, years ago, by Mark Black called um, Frostfire, which established that Vicky had settled down in ancient Carthage, or present-day Carthage, as it was then known. And so I made sure to get that right. you know. I was also told, as part of my brief, to get her into the TARDIS and off having adventures as quickly as possible. So we only get a, a little glimpse of her at home that time period.
2: It's fascinating because I find that I go into not exactly the Vicky at 15 voice, which I can do very easily, but into a sort of my age version of it. Something about her character has this, I don't know, there's a sort of youthfulness to the way she she reacts to things. And so it's, um, it's curious how it informs the age, and uh, it's not something you decide to do, it just happens as it goes along, you know. No, it's lovely. It's been absolutely lovely.
5: (laughs) I think one of the best things this story offers is the celebration of uh, the character of Vicky. I love Maureen. I worked with her first when I first became executive producer of Big Fish. I didn't work with her. I I attended a recording of the uh, Companion Chronicles and we just happened to get on the same train going back into London uh, because it was recorded out in Essex, I think. And uh, we just chatted away and I'd always admired her. I admired her performance in Doctor Who. You can see her really fighting to make so much more of what was, you know, a pretty poorly served character back in those days where, you know, females in drama were all completely underserved. You know, uh, their, their role was so squashed and miniaturized. And, you know, and you can see Maureen making every moment count and not, not for one moment having a sort of um, pathetic Uh, archetypal reaction to things finding an energy and an aggression in anything she did you know quite remarkable it's interesting also that she accounted for the the lack of power that her or agency as people like to call it now in her character's role was due to the fact that she was so young so she always imagined that vicky was 15 you know uh, which i don't think it's what Anyone else in the in the production team thought, but she thought, well, she must be that young to be, you know, as ineffectual as she often is. You know, that's that's the only excuse I can think of that's that's reasonable. Um, but I was a bit nervous about getting Maureen in because I thought, oh, you know, how would, she expressed some doubts to start with about, oh, why should she play Vicky old oh, because her voice doesn't sound old, which is true. I said, well, I don't want you to put on an old lady's voice. I want you to just speak like you do because so many people do. Uh, retained the young tone of their voice. And why shouldn't Vicky? Full of vitality.
2: Wouldn't we be safer in the TARDIS?
4: No, not a bit of it. Our only chance is to find something we can use against the Daleks. We cannot hope to elude them, so we must pit our wits against them and defeat them.
2: <laughs> it's just like old times.
9: Hmm. It's lovely just to go to write for an actor where you know she's going to take what you've written and make it sound 100% better. And particularly with this story, I've written her lots of emotional scenes, you know, quite tough, personal moments, because I know that, you know, she can take them and make them absolutely, you know, absolutely devastating and heartbreaking.
2: As Vicky was, and as I found at the time when I was actually doing it, 65, I found the scope very limited. You know, I thought I should have been playing um, Chekhov and Edward Bond plays at the Royal Court and that's what I wanted to be doing. And I was I was running around after the doctor saying, Oh, doctor, look at that. Oh, isn't that terrifying? <gasps> oh. So that was quite limited and I did used to um, chafe rather against it. But informed by a long life already lived. It's very interesting actually, it's much better. And also... When I see the episodes now that were the ones that have been saved and that we're able to see, I'm very struck by, well, how I shouldn't have been as dissatisfied as I was because I think I do see a character emerging.
1: Just go to BigFinish.com and type FUGITIVE CAPITALS into the search pane at the top to find this one. Out this Tuesday, this Tuesday, the 23rd of January. Right now, it's time for listeners' emails. <laughs> I tell you what, this week, Nick, do this bit in the style of Benji Clifford.
5: Okay. So, uh, if you want to send in an email, you don't have to be a fugitive or, uh, you know, run away from Daleks. Uh, so just uh, send your email uh, to podcast at com. That, that didn't sound like Benji at all.
1: Uncanny. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it looks like Benji. You look exactly Do like I Benji. I don't like him. It, it, it yeah. was a, a brilliant got, visual impression. I got all impression. kind of
5: cool and yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's cool. And bespectacled.
1: Oh, no, you're yeah. bespectacled as well. He's got those lovely sort of 70s, like two Ronnies, Eric Morecambe, Peter Sellers sort of yeah, glasses. Yeah, I can
5: he? wear those. I can't bear too have much. You tried them? No, but it's just the too much sort of um, in my peripheral vision of the darkness of the frame. Too much
1: frame. Too much yeah. frame.
5: I like my glasses yeah. to be big and not have very thick frames.
1: They're quite professorial, your glasses. But these they? ones are, actually. Yeah. It's the
5: first time I've ever had glasses like this anyway uh this is working beautifully on an audio podcast
1: (laughs) yeah yeah well this is it's it's like um uh having a ventriloquist show on the radio or 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 snooker isn't it uh on snooker on black and white telly
5: yeah yeah it's all been done
1: whose go is it now well you can you
5: you can read this email out
1: oh okay this is from beautifully named alex Alex Pineapple. Amazing. Um at uh, 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 do we well, need his, no, his no, don't, no don't read out his email
5: address. I don't this think
1: is, I'll do that again. This is from the beautifully named doesn't say that, that's my comment on his name, Alex Pineapple.
5: Yeah.
1: Um and he writes Oh, the subject is Sprouts. Here we go. Or if you're from London, Sprouts. Or <laughs> sprouts. Uh I said that. Um I realise this isn't exactly conducive. To the usual big finish podcast talking points, but I felt I just had to weigh in on the sprouts discussion. Is there a sprouts? Dis- have yeah, have yeah. I missed something? I had a oh big, yes, we had a big sprouts. That's right. Discussion. No, I, I have heard it. That's right. I am firmly in the love them camp, although I can't say I've ever considered eating them raw. I do. Oh well, no, I do. I suspect that the general hatred has been promoted over the years in the same way as it has for things like broccoli another culinary love of mine, to placate young children who already don't like them. They do say the palate changes as we get older. A younger tongue tends to mostly like salty and sweet, whereas bitter and sour come into play later down the line. There is probably some evolutionary reason for this, but who cares? All I know is, (laughs) I just used an entire bag of Brussels sprouts in a stir fry and it was Delish. <laughs> On a side note, all your recent talk of Waitrose... well yes, Waitrose. that's one of Tom Baker's favourite subject isn't yes. it? Waitrose. Banging my trolley in waiters. Um, all this talk of waitros made me chuckle.
0: Uh-huh.
1: I work in the distribution warehouse and might well have, and might well have prodded your bags of sprouts. <laughs> Don't worry. My hands are very clean. Phew. Phew. Anyway. Keep up the good work and such forth. Have a delightful morning slash day slash evening slash slash type of thing. Cool <laughs> I
0: stuff.
1: love the
5: such forth. That's quite fun. I know. I've it? never
1: seen such forth. Such I've noticed that younger people say and such instead of etc. a lot Do these they? days. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where have they got A that lot from? of the young fans that I, I talk to, they, they'll say at the end of a sentence, they go and such, you know. Which we never... That's a thats a—that's new one on me. We yeah, never used yeah, we to say that. Yeah, we don't say that. No, no. We oldies. No. I'm wondering, wondering where it came from, as I often do about these Well, yeah, well, that's what
5: I'm wondering, but we won't come up with an answer here today. Well, no, it's Maybe, just maybe a someone speculation. could write in and, and tell
1: us. Yeah, maybe maybe, maybe someone could tell us the etymology. Exactly. Slash origin, slash type thing, like, slash such forth.
5: <laughs> um, next up, uh, this is from Dean Harrison. And uh, the subject is super tasters (PTC and PROP) and how they can eat sprouts. Okay. Well, I'm, uh, Stephen, I'm going to need your uh, excellent Roger McGough-style voice to help me uh, pronounce some of these words that I just—they're so long. I don't know whether you're going to be any good. I'm certainly not. You're anyway,
1: Roger McGough's sort of down there somewhere, isn't he? <laughs> A bit in, in, in the Dringo Star area. Uh, i don't think it was.
5: no i think that love uh, he wasn't quite that low
1: i don't think wasn't he
5: no i thought poetry, he, when i was po- po- listening to that last email i thought this i feel like i'm listening to roger McGough.
1: poetry please it's,
5: it's, it's kind it's of that deal. way he split yeah. everything up
1: is he yeah. still alive i i don't is know because i haven't listened to radio 4 for, for decades but he was doing Poetry please, wasn't he?
5: Hi, Nick and Benji. Long time no right. But given personal experience, I thought I'd add a little extra info to the Sprouts conversation. You've already mentioned PTC. Now, how do you pronounce that?
1: Oh, yeah. Well, I think this is going to be Tom Baker. A, uh, yeah. I think it's some um, uh, phenylthiocarbamide. Oh, that's brilliant. Phenothi- fen- yes. uh, P, which is phenylthiocarbamide. F- 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 phenylthiocarbamide.
5: F- f- yes. Yeah. Uh, as or being, ptc yeah so or ptc that's the, i'm no. gonna say that from now on as being something with a bitter taste that some people find tasteless some taste it a bit but others find it really in capitals bitter this was discovered entirely by accident in 1931 when arthur fox was pouring ptc into a bottle with some of it dispersing into the air a nearby colleague complained of an awful taste whereas fox tasted nothing later in the 60s another chemical 6n, 6N oh I, I
1: thought that was on your no, yeah yeah go on uh, 6n propyl uh, propyl theorosyl
0: oh brilliant
5: 6M propythiorosil. See, I can say it when I hear someone else say it. I've got a good audio memory. Uh, P-R-O-P was identified as another bitter tasting compound that not everybody could taste. This one turns up in broccoli, spinach, Brussels sprouts, turnips and watercress, to name a few. You name it. And such forth. (laughs) The ability to taste these two chemicals is roughly split as 25% can't taste it at all. Fifty percent can taste it a bit, and twenty-five percent can really, in capitals, taste it. In the early eighties, Linda Bar- Bar- Bartoshuk, Bartoschuk?
1: Linda Bartoshuk, Bartoshuk, yes. oh, nicely pronounced,
5: Linda Bartoshuk, coined the term "super taster" after discovering that the taste response was not a personal bias, but actually biologically driven by a particular gene, TAS2R38, which affects the ability to taste PTC, PROP and similar chemicals, also raising sensitivity to bitter tastes in general. I got to learn all about supertasters from a great podcast in 2018, The Curious Cases of Rutherford and Fry, The Dreadful Vegetable, and went on to research it myself some more, as it turns out... I am a super taster, with a little sad emoji at the end. I can attest that until recently, I've never understood why people raved about salads and other green foods, because every time I tried it, it tasted absolutely foul, horrendously bitter and unpalatable. It finally twigged for me that I wasn't tasting things the same as anyone else, when I was told Rocket tasted peppery. I couldn't taste any element of pepperiness, just extreme bitterness. It overrides all other flavours. Finding out that it was a biological issue, and I wasn't just a picky eater, was a great weight off my mind and researching the issue helped me understand and cope with the condition. So whilst to me uh, a mainly raw leaf salad would taste revolting, others would find it delightful. But with a good strong dressing, adding things like bacon and peppers or putting putting it in a wrap would sometimes be enough to hide some of the bitterness, making it edible and finally let me eat my greens but the trouble is you've got a a dressing on it which is just full of sugar and fat so it's not really like eating your greens it's like eating your greens with a whole bucket load of unhealthy things as well but anyway i'm not criticizing just pointing out Uh, as for sprouts the traditional recipe for me is a big no well, the traditional recipe is just boiling them isn't it but shredded and fried with bacon chilies and worcester sauce is a great addition to a christmas meal well that's almost not sprouts at all really is not it but it does sound tasty so if you don't like sprouts you might not be uh wrong as such well i never thought people were wrong for not liking them I was just complaining about the dominance of the anti-sprout narrative.
1: Um, if you think you're right, you're an, you're almost certainly wrong, as Bertrand Russell said. Oh, really? Yeah.
5: Uh, that's a really that is a good no, I, I think it might
1: be, if you think you're always right, you're almost. Or if, you think, if you think you're quite right, you're almost certainly wrong.
5: That, I think that was a expectation.
1: I was. Uh, anyway, uh, I digress. Just,
5: just have a, a genetic. So, sis, so if you don't like sprouts, you might not be wrong as such. Just have a genetic condition that you need to manage to be able to eat them. It's not all bad, though. When younger, I had a snock with a girl who had just been smoking. And as a result, I have never been tempted to try and smoke myself. It's quite common that super tasters never take up the habit, apparently due to the taste. Uh, on a different popular topic, uh, we didn't have a summer holiday to tell you about. Oh, yes, we, we often talk about summer holidays, but we did have a winter one. We just got back from Tokyo after an incredible opportunity where the new National Theatre of Tokyo. Picked up the musical Tokyo Rose composed uh, uh, by my son, Will, in 2019. And it has since sold out all three weeks. But the reason I mention it, other than being a proud dad, quite rightly so, quite rightly so, Dean, is as sound designers, if either of you that's me and benji who isn't here today uh, ever head out to tokyo uh, take some decent sound recording gear with you as there is so much sound weaved into the tapestry of life there everything seems to have its own jingles or tones each line on the underground seemed to have its own tune birdsong would be played at the entrance to stairs fire stations and fire engines shout at you to get out of the way video advertising screens would talk or play music all presumably used for blind people it really put me in mind of the soundscape of Blade Runner. That's what I was thinking when I first read this, actually. Tokyo mm. struck me as a great city to set an audio drama in, and it's certainly a great place to visit. So, Happy New Year to all at Big Finish. Cheers, Dean Harrison. Thank you, Dean.
1: Wow. That's, that reminded me of when Trevor, a.k.a. Tim Trelaw, does, a, <laughs> does a, an impression of me answering a simple question at a convention.
5: <laughs> yes, yes.
1: Sort of get going on for hours and hours, going at a thousand different... Fascinating digressions
5: indeed yes, yes
1: but i digress and finally uh, this is from uh, jack snelling and the subject is listener email exclamation mark oh. hello nick and benji who sadly can't be with us um i hope you are well firstly i hope nick's operation went well um i think it did didn't it nick? yeah yeah Ultimately. i mean I'm,
5: I'm feeling almost completely better now this is just...
1: you're not still a valetudinarian Now, what does that Um, mean? It means somebody recovering or who's been Uh, ill and getting better. Yeah, I mean, I I, I was kind of
5: full of my suffering for the last two weeks. But now I'm at that stage where I'm looking back and thinking, goodness me, it was only two weeks ago when they had, you know. And also, by the way, I said last week that they made five holes in me. But I discovered that one of the, inverted commas, holes was in fact just a scar you know a sort of pressure scar where they'd obviously clamped something to me and that's faded mm. away now so i've only had four holes made in me and uh, and i just find it amazing that it's only two weeks ago and here i am perfectly normal after they've been rooting around inside me cutting bits off and pulling them out
1: i think you're a lot more cheerful since your operation you i've so? noticed yeah i think it's done wonders for your for your um What's it? What's it? The doctor says to Stelman, "In in your general constitution." <laughs> when he well, says I'm talking yeah. about his oh, liver, yes.
5: it's not your liver; it's your general disposition. Yes,
1: yes. yes. Is it dis- disposition? That's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah.
5: yeah. I, I I tell you what I think it is. And Jamie Anderson said this to me on a Facetime call last night. He said, "He said you've got a, a cheesy glow about you. It's because I'm eating <laughs> cheese again. I've not been eating <laughs> cheese for <laughs> you know." i don't know like the best part of six years and i love wow. cheese and and when i can go to the free oh and it was the cheese that was making my uh and what was
1: corn. so when you knew you could have cheese again what was your first cheese of choice
5: well i got a really strong cheddar called wookie hole cheddar oh yeah a good Doctor yeah. reference Vir- course, Cheddar. <laughs> from Revenge of the Cybermen where they, where they filmed it just in case you didn't know, folks. And, That's right. With uh, lots of
1: spooky stories and Liz Slate nearly died and the witch's thing and the exactly. piece of script disappearing. And you can taste all to, that in the cheese. You In the cheese.
5: And a Stilton. And I got yeah, a selection. That would be my
1: first choice. Yeah. Stilton with some cars, water biscuits.
5: Oh, yeah. Is yeah. Well, I got a selection of crackers and there were some yeah. water biscuits in there. Um, I've since then bought some oh, uh, Waitrose brand do- cheese thins. <laughs>
1: uh, just uh, so, uh, can you think of a Doctor Who cheese reference? Well, the Gorgonzola in Day of the Daleks. Gorgonzola, Gorgonzola is absolutely delicious. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Can you think of a crackers reference? Oh, crackers. Probably less likely to. No, I can't think of that. It's it's the it's it's the his successor john puddy's successor but it, it's 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 not in the area you're most familiar with
5: all oh, right so it's a graham williams one, isn't it? it's
1: great it's it's professor cronotis oh well says, i'm not going to remember that says, says, here, says but... it says uh crackers and the duck says sometimes <laughs> it's quite a good joke <laughs> yeah,
5: yeah. that's clearly one of tom's amazing jokes that he made up on the set well it's sometimes no difficult to know whether to it's a no tom or, a, or, a,
1: or an adams isn't it that is probably a tom yes as right. opposed to tom adams who was in um
5: warriors
1: warriors uh, of the, the <laughs> yes which we try not to mention <laughs> uh, where was it was, was it was i reading an email i had a few questions which i thought you might be able to answer okay firstly okay firstly a year ago we had the last release from the class rate or the class range if you're in the south of england um which teases a or american uh, which teases a continuation from the tv series is there any further news on this Will we get any news anytime soon? I hope so, as I feel you could do so much with it. Well, there,
5: there there is some news to come, I believe. But um, you know, I've
1: I, never seen Class. No, and I, and, no neither and have I. Is it on? Is it, I think somebody said it was on the iPhone. I'll is it. it next? I was wondering if you'd thought about doing any Eccleston audios featuring Billy Piper. I know they expressed interest in the prospect, but also know that doesn't necessarily work in practice but it's something that I think many of us would love to see or indeed here Mm. additionally what are your plans for the Moffat doctors brackets 11 and 12 as if we didn't know now Judgement is is stepping away will their doctors be on the back burner for the foreseeable future you're going to answer all these questions well yeah Should
5: I quickly go back and up what was it okay Okay. because you're going to forget what they were yeah yeah I'm just. I'm going back. Um, uh, go on uh I know they expressed interest in the prospect. Well, that's right. They were talking about it at a convention where Christopher Eccleston said all sorts of outrageous things. Um, Did he? Yeah. Well, we're not going to go into that. No. Um, but um, I w- would love to do that. It's just a question of of negotiations and trying to make it happen. Um, that's all. And uh, no, no firm plans. Um, the Moffat doctors, eleven and Moffat twelve. Do- um, uh we're we're, uh, i would like to continue um we're, we're trying to sort out ways of doing that um but but that i don't want to put them on the back burner for the foreseeable future
1: finally would you consider doing audios based on red dwarf you've recently been delving into some comedy shows and red dwarf seems perfect especially now they've opened up the license have they i don't know that's what he says.
5: I mean, that's something we'd be interested in. We did approach them once before, but it didn't go particularly well. <laughs> we should—I mean, the key thing, like with all big finished stuff, is that we'd have to get someone who is really into Red Dwarf to sort of, uh, you know, formulate a plan and, and get in touch with them. But I would never rule that out. I think—I mean, it was a show with, you know, a good following and lots of fun and i dipped in and out of it over the years i remember covering it a lot when i worked at visual imagination you know and getting lots of articles written about it um yeah and all the special effects incredible special effects actually what
1: were really the name was the, name of the, the two actors who played the voice of the computer was, a, was it norman uh love and there was hattie hayridge wasn't those was, was, was it norman the, Lovett? Uh, yes that's it sorry for the total overloaded questions must be feeling like prime minister's question time i guess nick is the equali- equivalent to pm of big Finish, anyway that's oh that's, that's a thing. i hopefully none of the recent ones
5: yeah <laughs> yeah i would <laughs> just imagine that we would have had uh a, a, however many uh, creative directors over the last uh, couple that's of years. right uh, that's yeah, right i do I have la- to be re-elected every five years so uh, no uh, yeah,
1: yeah. no are you David Cameron, uh, Liz Truss, Theresa May or Rishi Sunak? That's your only choices, which is uh, which is the least worst option there?
5: The, that question <laughs> does not compute. <laughs>
1: uh, um, cannot relate, I think, uh, as, as I'll put it. So, sorry for the overloaded questions we had that bit. If you've read them, thank you for getting this far without giving up reading. Have a great year. We didn't give up. It was yeah. great.
5: Well, that's it for the emails this week. Uh, keep them coming. We love them.
1: Remember, there's a tease of Future of the Daleks coming up at the end of the podcast. There'll be a chance for you to get yourself a 25% discount. 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 Get your discount. Discount <laughs> on a randomly selected <sighs> Big Finish Release too. But first,
5: Also available this week, the Roy Hudlines, classic BBC radio comedy. If you don't know anything about this, and why should you? I mean, you've come here for Doctor Who, haven't you? Here's something that'll help you understand.
10: Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Sondheim Theatre by kind courtesy of Sir Cameron McIntosh for this celebration of the life and the laughter of Roy Hud, OBE. Please welcome to the stage now the originator of the News Hudlines, Simon Brett.
7: Thank you. Thank you very much indeed and welcome. In 1970, I was a young radio producer and with a lovely producer called David Hatch, I started a programme called Weekending on Radio 4. And in 1975, the controller of Radio 2 came to me and said, could we do something that was also topical comedy for Radio 2 and it needed a broader appeal? and I thought broader appeal who do I know who's got a broader appeal and I'd been lucky enough to work a bit with Roy and I thought he would be the perfect communicator for this show and I even I'm rather proud of this came up with a title for it which was the news headlines and I approached Roy and he said oh lovely idea love to do it now Roy is, was one of the nicest people in showbiz, and it's a fact that the nicest people in showbiz have the toughest agents. Uh, and, and Roy's agent then was Maurice Azer. Who, Wonderful agent, but quite tough. And there was a great toing and froing between my booker and the agent. We had bookers in the BBC, and he was asking some impossible sum per week. I think it was about two hundred pounds in 1975. Uh, and I we argue back and forth, and I said, "No, I'm sorry, my budget won't stand it. We, I'll have to go ahead with another artist." And I got this message from Roy: "Another artist on the news headlines." <laughs> Uh, Unfortunately, the book he went through and the rest is history. Uh, On that production I worked with a young producer in the department and the idea was that we would co-produce the first four programs then from program five he'd be on his own so we co-produced the first four and it was going very well and Roy was wonderful and the format worked and I come in for and I didn't go to the studio there were lunchtime recordings but I didn't want to cramp the style of the younger producer so I went to the office and I was just going to turn up for the recording I got to the office to the new that Roy Hudd was stranded by fog in Paris uh, which for a lunchtime recording was a bit tricky Um, and so I went round the department and I got the names of virtually everyone in showbiz and we rang all of them up and said would you like to step in at like half an hour's notice to take over and I remember I asked Bernard Cribbins and he said he was meant to be going fishing and he said said, I think actually I'd rather go fishing (laughs) Um, (laughs) anyway we ended up with the wonderful Ray Allen without Lord Charles. Um, And we had this wonderful intro, which went, welcome to the news headlines with Ray Allen. Um, (laughs) And now I'm going to do what I did in 1975, and I'm going to hand over to a younger man, the younger producer I worked with on that show. So will you please welcome John Lloyd.
10: Thank you, Simon. It's a few years now since I've been called younger by anyone, but uh, it reminds me of one of Roy's favourite gags. Uh, Two old deers in a nursing home, and suddenly this stark naked old man streaks right past them, and one old deer says to the other, What was that? The other one says, I don't know, but it certainly needed ironing. Uh, Simon's uh, choice of Roy uh, to front a topical comedy show for Radio Two was really inspired, and it went on to run for 51 series. That's 26 years, if you can believe it. It was actually, it is actually the longest ever running British radio comedy with a live audience. Pretty amazing. And the magic recipe was this. It was the extraordinarily different backgrounds of the commissioned writers and Roy himself, because Roy was from a working class kind of music hall tradition, and the writers were mostly young, middle-class graduates with a smattering of professional journalists among them. But uh, so the writing was intelligent and informed, but it was Roy who knew how to shape and deliver it with a kind of slap-bang-wallop timing. Uh, And we all learned so much from him. I remember <laughs> one of his lines, he says, Roy's keep fit regime, up, down, up, down, up, down. Now the other eyebrow, up, <laughs> down. <laughs> uh, Hudlines, like Simon's week ending before it, had an open door policy, as we used to call it. So the commissioned writers got a guaranteed fee, but literally anybody could write in with jokes and be sure that they'd get read. Um... The rate was £4 a minute, if you can believe it, or £2 for a one-liner, so nobody was in it for the money, obviously. But what instead they got was attention. Um, And so over the years, I built up, when I did it for about three years, we built up a cast of 200 freelance writers with day jobs as different as the managing director of a building society, if you can imagine that, to a shower fitter from Leeds, the great Laurie Rowley. Anyway, when I went in 1979, I moved to television to start Not The Nine O'Clock News, and I took all those writers with me. And four years later, we all migrated together to start Spitting Image, and they came along with me too there. So those writers and the producers among them, some of them became producers, were responsible in a key way for the great renaissance of British television comedy in the 80s. A host of new sketch shows, things like Drop the Dead Donkey was a Hudlines writer, Andy Hamilton, David Renwick's One Foot in the Grave, There were independent production companies started by some of them and even a couple of agencies. So I don't have any doubt that if it wasn't for Roy and the hudlines and all that amazing training he gave us, the landscape of British comedy in the last 50 years would have been very different and not nearly as funny. And if that weren't enough, Roy was not just a brilliant comic and a wonderful man, as you'll hear often tonight, um, but he was a talented straight actor, he was a dancer, a singer, uh, a writer, he's written many books Um, he was Fagin in Oliver in the West End, and he graced everything from Coronation Street to the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy and if that weren't enough, uh, not to mention Celebrity Mastermind, Dennis Potter Just William, Midsummer Murders, Holby City and Broadchurch, the amazing Roy Hudd, thank you Now please put in your earplugs and welcome to the stage Peter Moss, David Furman, Will Hill and Kevin Powell. In other words, Peter Moss and the
4: Hudliners.
8: Good evening. Good evening. It was an amazing thing in, back in 1975 when we were approached to do a new series and three of the original people are still doing it tonight and obviously we all know Chris Emmett is one of them but the original band was the Nick Rohde trio and I played bass and Will Hill played drums on the very first Will Hill (laughs) we also had over the years um, some great pianists come in and one of them is here David Furman please put your hands together And just on another note, E flat please. Just on another note, um, we think that the other pianist who was so good for the headlines over the years, Paul Maguire, is in the audience. Yeah, yeah Paul. Yeah. <clears throat> and we welcome uh, a, a new friend for us, Kevin Powell, great, a great player, fitted in perfectly at the rehearsals this afternoon. Kevin Powell, please. Ladies and gentlemen,
10: the Hudlines producer and director of our show tonight,
6: Dirt Mags. Ladies and gentlemen, the condemned man made his entrance. (laughs) It's lovely for us all to be back here. Now, are you warmed up? Yes! Not bad over there. Needs to come up a bit over there. Are you warmed up? Yes! All right, so, hang on, David. Um, So look, tonight has been an exercise in trying to get a very, very rusty old machine to turn over. It's like one of those programs where they do up a car and finally the bloody thing fires. Well, finally, we got the bloody thing firing about five minutes before you came into the auditorium. Now, ladies and gentlemen, one of the original voices of the news headlines, please would you welcome Mr. Richard Clegg. (laughs) Next, the lovely and ever-youthful Miss Nicola McAuliffe. We have uh, a wonderful new addition to the cast. Would you please welcome our dear friend and star of Bob the Builder and oh, so many other things too, and a wonderful singer. Would you welcome Kate Harbour? I've got a a little bit of bad news. I'm afraid Roy is caught in fog... (laughs) Outside the pearly gates. Ray Allen also seems to be unavailable. <laughs> so, standing in for both, ladies and gentlemen, the wonderful John Culture. <laughs> Next is uh, an actress of great renown and also a bloody funny woman. Would you please welcome Miss Alison Steadman? <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, no more words are necessary than to say Chris Emmett.
9: Yeah. What have you done to my life?
6: I should have said, of course, King Rat of the Grand Order of Waterass is here. Are you happy in the van, Jerry? Yeah, we're all- Lovely. Now that was Jerry Peel, who's in the truck outside recording this. <laughs> after hope. which the recording will be taken to Beachy Head, thrown off, <laughs> and towed out to sea for target practice. Uh, is everybody happy on stage? Peace? We'll
10: let you know. in an
6: hour Right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Roy Hudlines. We hope you enjoy.
1: Just go to bigfinish.com and type in Roy Hudlines to find this one. Out this Thursday, the 25th of January.
5: Time now to visit the Danger Zone in Thunderbirds Danger and Deception. Out this Friday, the 26th of January. Here's the trailer Anderson Entertainment presents Thunderbirds Danger
4: and Deception.
0: Sound the general alarm! 1,000 feet and closing!
4: The water level is built
5: up behind the ship. The banks of the canal are about to burst. Scott,
6: I can't reach it. The water is... <coughs> it's up to my neck and rising. Scott, I'm under
4: attack. The army is shelling Thunderbird 2. Machine cannon armed. Thunderbird 1 commencing attack dive. At the risk of being alarmist, I would say this is most definitely a bomb. Oh no! Get down! Huh. Uh. Ooh. <laughs>
6: Ooh.
4: But why would they let us get so close? I don't like it. It seems too easy, lady.
3: I quite agree, Parker. Something smells fishy.
4: Your plan has failed, Lady Penelope. In 30 seconds you will die.
6: Now! <laughs> hey! Come back! Don't you realize this is a matter of life and death?
4: We've got to find that agent and get out before that artificial dam we've created gives way.
10: International rescue aircraft sighted, ordering fighters to
9: pursue.
4: Roger that. Fighter 1 blasting off. The inferno has spread to the diesel stores.
0: I'm afraid nothing can stop the blaze now. The shield! It's breaking up! And leaking radiation! One. I'm losing power! Now, Virgil, now! Firing jets. I've got a feeling every second is going to
4: count on this assignment. Be careful out there, son.
3: (sighs) Ellen! Come in, Ellen! Ellen! Ellen, are you okay?
4: Thunderbirds. Danger and Deception. Now available to pre-order from the Jerry Anderson store.
1: And remember, just go to bigfinish.com and type Thunderbirds into the search pane at the top to find this one. And all our Thunderbirds releases, courtesy of Anderson Entertainment. Uh, what's it time for now, Stephen? It's.
5: The Randomoid Selectatron, where we randomly select a big finish release and offer you a discount on it. Um, right, so. That reminds
1: me of. You, you, you're too young, old, whatever it is, you're <laughs> the wrong age to remember Pipkins.
5: Oh, I do remember you? Pipkins. I did um,
1: With with Hartley Hare. Yeah. Who was voiced by um an actor who was in Doctor Who? A Doctor Who story we were discussing earlier on before we started, oh, before who's we that lost then? Benji.
5: Right. And what was that?
1: He's he's in a double act with um the actor Ian Cuthbertson.
5: Oh that's he did that, did he? Yeah. Nigel
1: Plaskett was yeah. was was a was a puppeteer and voice actor. And and Pipkins was it was a lunchtime itv program and there used to be able where they say it's time and then there were all sort of clocks, clocks yeah and i remember that sort of noises
5: well i would watch it when i came a back story i watched it when i came home for lunch from school because i was living in burton-on-trent at the time and i was close to the school anyway i've done the randomoid select selection and it's right. uh, doctor who the companion chronicles uh the war to end all wars but here's the trailer doctor who the companion chronicles The war to end all
7: wars. You need to know something that happened before I was king. When I was with the doctor, the real doctor. Just look into their eyes. A
8: huddled mass of men and women. Like cattle, herded in their hundreds. They all moved in the same direction. Everyone's got to be in uniform.
4: Steven! ah, Dodo! Get away while you can. He's an old man. What are you going to
8: do with him? You know the rules. He's a subversive, so he will be shot. We are proud
3: to announce a grand new offensive. They brainwashed you. We shall send them
10: out to win. Then they unleashed us out into the
8: churn of mud. We shall redouble our heads. You run hard and fast through the smoke and fire and dust.
3: That's why you gave up the throne.
8: The ground falls away underneath you and you still keep on. You won't see each other again. Hot bullets hiss
10: by We are proud to announce a grand new
3: event. Energy shielding, some kind of array. We shall commit
4: all resources, all available personnel, and we
0: shall send the ravaged, into the enemy fire
5: subscribers get more at bigfinish.com well this is by Simon Gerrier and it stars Peter Purvis yeah and Alice Hague it's an interesting one I don't remember anything about it years after he gave up travelling in the TARDIS Stephen Taylor is the deposed king of a distant world From the confines of his cell, he shares his story with a young girl called Sida, or Sida, I'm not sure. And one story in particular, a visit to a whole world at war, which will mark Stephen for life. So it's out of print on CD, but you can get it as a download. Now, um, Mm. there's no point me asking um, Stephen to uh, describe how you get the discount, because he doesn't know this sort of
1: thing no so, is this where he improvises it in a, in a particular style
5: exactly yeah. i'd
1: love to be able to improvise a particular style if i knew what i was talking about but yeah. i don't
5: no it's impossible so, isn't
1: it So it would be pointless
5: yeah so if you'll just bear with me i'm going to uh, send the information to jackie emery i'll say hi jackie here it is and then i'll cut and paste the title there it is many many thanks nick there we go send that off to jackie and uh, normally while I'm doing that, Benji's describing how to get the discount.
1: That Her name always makes me want to say, um, here's a charming young lady.
5: <laughs> Dick Emery, you mean, yes.
1: Dick Emery, yeah. She, she's, she's no relation.
5: So the way you get your discount is that you go to, uh, on the main page, on the homepage, I should say, you, you go to where it says, uh, latest podcast, and you click on that... And then there's some text there. Now, if you look underneath, it says the Random Voice Electrotron also features offering you a 25% reduction on the selected release. Just click here, and the here's emboldened, and you click on that, and you have to enter the code BUCKUP, B-U-C-K-U-P, no spaces, all capitals. And that is it. That's that's how you get your your 25% discount. Um, that was a top job, Ran. Uh, more excitement is on its way in next week's podcast, including the return of Star Cops in an exciting new series entitled Blood Moon.
1: Is, is Trevor Cooper still around?
5: Yeah, yeah, he's in it.
1: Is he? Yeah. Um, when I was working with Trevor Cooper years ago, he lent me his his VHS copy, which at the time was probably you know y- almost unique as a as a sort of copy of the ep- the series. And I put it in my video machine, and it and the tape snapped. As I pressed play. And oh. I had to explain to him that that, that I'd lost all his <laughs> cops episodes. Um wow. but I think they n- they're now available on D V D, so it's it's probably yeah. How you did know, he take it? Um he took it very well, because he, he's he's such a lovely, you know, sanguine chap. He is probably secretly, you know, cursing me and plotting my death. Well, we but, all do uh, that. but he was very nice about it um at the time. <laughs> In the meantime, says Ian, it only remains for me to say this edition of the Big Finish Podcast was, prevent, was prevented... was
0: prevented? <laughs> by
1: me. Almost. Uh, well, it said was prevented by me, Benji Clifford, was presented by me, Stephen Noonan. Um, and him, Nick Briggs. Thank you. Nick also wrote, produced and edited it.
5: And, of course, Stephen and I did this... For the, the love, love of stories.
9: stories.
5: Not bad. And finally, on the Big Finish podcast, Doctor Who: The First Doctor Adventures, Fugitive of the Daleks. Oh, sounds interesting. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, listen to that. <laughs>
2: There, now pop back to your nest and feed your little ones. You know where to come if you want some more? Grandmother! Grandmother Cressida! Antipas! What is it? Is the village on fire?
3: No, no fire. I thought I, I, thought you should know about the temple in the olive grove. But there isn't a temple in the olive grove. There is now. What are you talking about? Well, It, it wasn't there this morning, but now it is. And grandmother, it's a small blue building made of wood like in your stories. The TARDIS? After all these years? Yes, the TARDIS. I I, I never thought it was real. Oh, but you think my stories were made up. Thank you very much. Yeah, but you must admit some of them were a little far-fetched. And for children, for children they were only for children, because children were the only ones with the imagination to appreciate them. So now you know how I felt when I found it. Because if your blue temple is real, then that means the rest of it might be true too. Might be? Your trips to the future, do a world of insects, and the Daleks. <laughs> yes, the dreadful Daleks. And, and Ian, and Barbara, and Stephen, and the Doctor. Yes, this temple... um. Did you see anyone coming out? No, nobody. And I I didn't want to look inside. I thought you should know, so I ran straight here. You did the right thing, Antiphus.
2: You haven't told anyone else?
3: No, no. I mean, no one else would believe me, would they?
2: Probably not, no. Well, uh, you'd better show me this temple then, hadn't you? You're sure you're well enough? Of course I'm well enough, young man. I'm not an invalid just yet. Now, take my arm and lead on. We mustn't hang about. Why not? Oh,
3: yes, I remember. In case it vanishes into thin air.
2: There it is. Police telephone free for use of public. Yes, (laughs) it's the TARDIS. I thought I'd never see it again. What do
3: you think it's doing here?
2: Well... (laughs) There's
3: only one way to find out. You're not thinking of going inside, are you? Why not?
2: Hello? Doctor? (gasps) Stephen? The door feels the same. The same slight vibration in... Grandmother, don't go
3: in there, please. If your stories are true, it might take you away to other times,
2: other worlds. All the more reason to go in. But if I don't come back, tell your father... Tell him that I love him and left with a smile on my face. Goodbye. as I remember the walls the console the clock the chair (gasps) Doctor
0: Susan Susan is that you
2: no it's not Susan it's me Vicky
0: Vicky yes of course oh my dear Vicky I'm so sorry I didn't recognise you.
2: Well, that's hardly surprising. I look a little different. Yes.
0: Your garments are strange.
2: And I'm a few years older. (laughs) But you... You don't look older at all. Doctor, are you all right?
0: No, my dear child. I, I think I'm almost... I'm not well. You must help me. Help you... Find medical treatment before it is too late.
2: But, Doctor, I live in ancient Carthage. Whenever anyone is sick, they think the best way to cure them is to sacrifice the nearest chicken. Oh,
0: then we must go elsewhere. Operate the dematerialization control, Susan. I told you I'm not Susan. And
2: you never taught me how to fly the TARDIS.
0: No? No. Nevertheless, you must try.
2: But even if I could, where would I take you?
0: Somewhere I can be treated. You can pilot the TARDIS using its telepathic circuit. Telepathic? You've never told me the TARDIS was telepathic. Did I not? Well, I'm telling you now. The disks on that panel are the user interface. Place your hands upon them like this? Yes, like that. And the TARDIS will take you where you need to go.
2: (gasps) Yes, it's working. (sighs) All of time and space. Here we go again. Grandmother, come back,
3: please. Grandmother, mother! Enjoy your adventure. Back amongst the stars. Mum and Dad are not going to believe a word of this.
4: What is it? A materialization in storage 9.
2: Let me see. Activate visualizer. Storage 9. Activating? Some
3: sort of teleport capsule. There's no other explanation. But why?
4: Do you think it could be rescue?
3: Rescue? Or a means of escape? It is opening. A woman. A new face to gaze upon after all this time. If you are so enamoured,
2: Thomas, why not gaze upon her directly? go down and welcome her to perpetuity. Hello? Is anyone there? We need your help! Oh!
3: I'm sorry if I startled you.
2: It's alright, I, I don't know what I was expecting.
3: Where am I? How could you have teleported your capsule here without knowing? No, I, um, I'm only the passenger, not the pilot. I see. In that case, welcome to Perpetuity Station. Station? A space station? Of course. In orbit around the red supergiant, Quadrans Majoris. And you have medical facilities here? Naturally. We have everything we need to sustain life and a skilled biomedic. Why do you ask?
2: My... um the pilot of my ship. I don't know what's wrong with him, but he's very ill. I wonder if you might be able to help? Of course. Uh, we would be happy to put all
3: our resources at your disposal. Where is your pilot?
2: Inside the ship. Um, probably best if you wait here. Uh, I'll just go and fetch him.
3: I assume you caught all that, Hedra.
2: With great interest, Thomas. Altan is already on his way down to you with a mobile stretcher. That was quick. It's been a long time since he's had anyone in need of his services. This is the pilot. He's called
0: the Doctor. Oh. Oh, here, let me help you support him. Oh, thank you, Chesterton. Most kind, my boy. Most kind. Chesterton? Who is Chesterton? The Doctor is <laughs> a little confused. Uh,
2: what is your name, by the way? Thomas, maintenance technician. And you? Cress, um... Uh, Vicky. It's just Vicky. Uh, Can you
3: help me get the doctor to the medical bay? There's no need. One of my colleagues should be... Ah, here he is. Biomedic Alton. This is Vicky
2: and her pilot,
10: the doctor. The doctor? Doctor who? (laughs) Uh,
2: It's a sort of title. Does it matter? He needs treatment.
10: Yes, of course. I see. Let's get him onto the stretcher.
0: Oh, Unhand uh, uh. me, Miss Wright. I'm perfectly incapable. Oh.
10: There, now he's comfortable. The stretcher will also monitor and maintain his life signs until I can make a diagnosis in the medical bay. I want to go with him. That is not possible. That section has to be kept sterile. I insist! You will be able to see him again as soon as I have stabilized his condition.
2: I'm coming with you! Oh, Pete! Your
3: friend couldn't be in better hands, and you would just be in the way. Even so... And I would like to know more about you, and show you our hospitality.
2: All Right. But I want to see the doctor the moment he comes around.
3: Of course. Now, please, come with me to the recreation lounge. And this is the leader of the station, astronomer-scientist, Hedra. Delighted to meet you.
2: Um, Vicky. Vicky. Would you care for some refreshment? We can offer you water, protein bars. We even have some defrosted fruit. Uh, no, that's all right. I'm not hungry, but don't let me stop you. I'm not hungry either. Please, take a seat. Enjoy the view. Uh, oh, yes, It is quite of you, a dying star. The reason for this observatory? To study its decay. Just the three of you? It seems quite a big space station for just three people. Originally it had a crew of 40,
3: but then there was an outbreak of space plague. What? Ah,
2: well don't worry. The station is completely free of infection, but by the time the plague had burned itself out, We had lost most of our colleagues. It must have been awful for you. It was,
3: but it was a very long time ago. Thomas! Although it still feels like
2: yesterday. And it's been just the three of you ever since? When the outbreak began, we transmitted a message to the relay station and were placed in quarantine. But by the time it was over, the level of radiation from the sun had increased.
3: So we were unable to contact the relay station. They never sent a relief ship. They must have given us up for dead.
2: Oh. how long ago was this? Um, <laughs> exactly 560 years. Five hundred and s- how can you possibly have survived? Well, with the technology available to us, we have been able to uh, halt the aging process and forestall any physical or mental deterioration. You mean you can never die?
3: Indeed. We are effectively immortal.
2: <sighs> Incredible. Uh... I don't know whether to envy you or pity you. But now you have come with a teleport capsule, a way out of this gilded prison. Ah, I don't know about that. No? No. I don't know how to pilot it. Only the doctor does, and um, I'm not sure whether or not he'd agree. But he must. We have given him aid. He must help us in return. As I said, it's up to him. And that's assuming he gets better, because if he doesn't, I'm stuck here with you. Tommy
3: speaking, yes?
10: I have good news. The doctor's physical injuries have been repaired and he has been restored to health.
2: Oh, oh thank
10: goodness. He will be regaining consciousness shortly if his friend still wishes
4: to visit him.
2: <sighs> oh, yes, I do. Thomas, can you take me to him?
4: Doctor, Ah, my dear Vicky, how good it is to see you.
2: And you looking so well.
4: Yes. And it would appear that I owe you a a great debt of thanks.
2: I didn't really do anything. It was the medical person here.
4: Ah, yes. But what brought me here? hmm?
2: The TARDIS. Yes,
4: (laughs) the TARDIS. Guided by you, my dear Vicky. If it were not for you, well, who knows what might have become of me.
2: What exactly was wrong with you?
4: I'm not altogether sure. You don't know? I don't remember. Possibly a, a side effect of being taken out of time. Uh, like jumping a time track? As on the planet Xeros, yes, precisely. Temporal amnesia. <laughs> it's most frustrating.
2: You didn't even recognize me at first.
6: No,
4: indeed, my dear Vicky. For which I can only apologize.
2: <laughs> but you know who I am now. Hmm. What's the last thing you remember?
4: Ah, now let me see, let me see. The jungle on the planet Mechanus. There were giant toadstools and a city on stilts. The city of the Mechanoids? Of the Mechanoids, yes. It was on fire, incinerating, collapsing. And I remember the Daleks. The Daleks were there.
2: And after that? Nothing. So you don't remember saying goodbye to Ian and Barbara, the Vikings, the monk?
0: I'm afraid not. Big finish for the love of stories.